0: i Spaces Welcome to The Ether. Today is Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. Today on The Ether, The Shade Protocol Weekly Space, Silk Magic. Shade Swap Capital Efficiency for the Cosmos. Let's take a listen.
1: You guys aren't going to want to miss this one. I think this is probably, um, I'm going to drive over to the office like 15 minutes. I was just talking to myself, like <laughs> thinking about this, the capital efficiency and DEX is, and this is just such a fun, like, nuanced uh, conversation that's uh, super cool. Like, we definitely should have, like, future conversations on capital efficiencies, the goal of DEXs, and um, how a shape protocol is uniquely positioned, I guess. It's, 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 it's going to be a fun one. In summary, I would highly recommend grabbing a cup of coffee and some popcorn.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this one runs over there, Carter.
1: Yeah, we shall see. I mean...
2: I think I can get it succinctly stated in about 10 to 15 <laughs> minutes. Um, that'll be a challenge. Well, that's all right. I mean, take your time. I'd, I'd shoot for 30, right? But yep. See if I recognize anybody in here. There was obviously some people that I, I saw, but looks like Red yeah, joined Paul- when I wasn't paying attention, but Paul from Gravity X? Yep. One of the OG supporters. See Kentaro as well. Welcome. Steve is in here. Compound, awesome. Well, yeah. Let's let's give it another minute or two. Um, let some pe- more people join, and then we will we will get started.
1: Yeah, today is going to be all about tackling the assumptions of kind of the existing Dex token models. Um, what are some of the advantages of those of those models that have been used, like Osmosis? And what are the, what are the disadvantages? And I think the advantages are, you know, very, very short term compared to the power of like focusing on capital efficiency. Um, That's kind of the, the outline of this entire piece as a starting point
2: yeah I would also say um just to just ask that, I think we should talk about like what the goal of a dex is and what it's meant to accomplish um and like you said like how do they how do they accomplish that and the benefits and and disadvantages of that yep, just let me know and i'll i'll start I'll start the rant <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries um time is at eleven o five and we've got about twenty five people in here um yeah, Carter. Why not? Let's get it. Let's get it started
1: off. Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be a long block here. So we'll 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 just we'll just kick things off. So let's let's start with the the goal of a decentralized exchange. The goal of a decentralized exchange is to allow users to be able to trade, um, not necessarily peer to peer, but actually peer to peer to smart contract. You have a smart contract that is you know has access. To liquidity and users are able to deposit their tokens into one side and get their tokens out the other. And for um for the DEX, obviously the goal is to derive as much you know fees as possible while optimizing for bringing in as many users and as, as much as, as much liquidity as possible. If a dex sent fees to like hundred percent, you're not going to have any users. If you set the you know the fees to zero percent. Um, then you don't necessarily have uh, sustainability and and value value accrual. And the the interesting thing about um, the whole the whole equation of dexes right now that liquid providers are are the key key piece of the puzzle. Right, uh, a dex without liquidity is not able to provide a good trading experience. So everyone's launching you know these decentralized exchanges and they have these tokens and they need to be able to attract sufficient liquidity in order to create an optimal trading experience. Um, the, the problem with existing DEXs is liquidity providers are kind of like their, their own actor with their own set, set of incentives. Um, when you liquidity provide, you're essentially taking a, a delta, neutral, delta neutral position. Um, what, what, do, what do I mean by that? What that means is that for a liquidity provider, the ideal world is they provide token A, token B at a certain ratio. And there would be an infinite amount of trades that crosses their liquidity without ever having the price or the ratio of their tokens change. That would be the perfectly optimal outcome. People use my capital, but the rate at which I put it in doesn't change when I when I put it out, when I pull it out, right? But the way you know the decentralized exchanges work is that as people trade across this capital, the ratios begin, begin to change, right? If people start buying more of volatile token a, um, then people, then the ratio in that pool is going to, you know, appreciate in one direction and dep- depreciate in relation to the other. And this introduces the idea of in permanence loss, um, and permanence loss is essentially what value is lost as a liquidity provider. Um, it's it's an opportunity cost. You're you're choosing to put up two sides of a token and take on the risk of your assets that you put in appreciating appreciating a situation that you don't necessarily have control over. And if you would have just held on to one of those tokens, uh you would walk away with potentially more value than if you had ever liquidity provided. And so this, this is why, you know, from a liquidity provider standpoint, they're they're thinking about it from a risk reward standpoint, which is pretty much you know everything in crypto is is risk reward. And so kind of talking about existing DEX models, the problem for liquidity providers is like let's take Osmosis as an example. To be a liquidity provider for the most important pairs with the most important volume, um you have to purchase Osmo to to, to liquidity provide right like there the whole goal of the DEX is we're gonna kind of like pair everything against Osmo. There's gonna be routed liquidity through Osmo um, but the fact still remains that as a liquidity provider, um, Osmo is a volatile. It's a volatile asset, right? And because you know you have volatile token A in the form of Osmo paired against volatile token B, Adam, uh, the the risk is is greater in terms of the of imp, of, of impermanence loss. And you know this this strategy ha- has done a pretty good pretty good job because. You know the the markets markets are efficient in the sense that if you put up a certain amount of emissions uh, on a pool, liquidity providers will will keep jumping in, keep jumping in, keep jumping in. The APR will keep dropping, dropping, dropping until it reaches an equilibrium in terms of supply and demand, where the market might say, "Hey, I I need you know sixty eight percent APR." in the form of, you know, the DEX token in order to justify holding two volatile tokens. Um, and I'm technically being paid to be in a Delta neutral position, but we know that we're going to deviate from that. So I I need to be paid for the opportunity costs that I'm giving up by providing this service. And like today, this works pretty well. Like the people buy Osmo, market cap of Osmo goes up. Uh, a huge percentage of the value of the liquidity in Osmosis um, is in the form of Osmo but where so where does the capital inefficiency enter into the equation well it's it's quite it's quite simple but it's kind of subtle so the first is as we said before markets are really freaking smart they will discover the optimal risk reward rate that needs to be justified to have you know x amount of capital in a pool but just because the market is efficient at discovering that equilibrium does not mean it's efficient for the dex and what i mean by that is like let's say there's 68% apr On a on a given pair on something like osmosis, that um, in essence the dex is emitting way more emissions than it would have to if it didn't force people to hold osmo slash for one half of the trading pair, and and that's that that is where the capital inefficiency is is forcing liquidity providers to hold a volatile asset for one half of the liquidity pair, and you know, cyclically, like Osmosis has proven that like there's 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 still like this very nice recursive cycle where people people buy Osmo to liquidity provide to earn yield, and whenever people buy Osmo, uh, they're increasing the value of the collective emissions that's given on the dex, which makes the value of the emissions greater, which attracts more liquidity, and so that can kind of create that can kind of create a, a flywheel over time. Um but there's but there's there's limits to that. The, the limit is people essentially selling selling the emission that they receive to be a liquidity provider in order to counteract the long-term risk that they've taken on being you know a liquidity provider for that given pair. so the it's it's like the, these dex models where you have a token that we're forcing everything to be paired against, it's like people are getting like they're marrying the entire long-term tokenomics to an inherent capital-inefficient model in order to force value accrual to the token on the DEX, which, you know, to, to be fair, it's actually a, a very strong bootstrapping mechanism, but the thesis would be long-term that that's, that's not nearly as good as if we could find a more, more capital-efficient method. So, now we can transition to kind of like shade swap, right? So what, what will be the fundamental difference from Shadeswap compared to any other decks on the Cosmos that we're aware of? The answer is this. The answer is, is that the pairings will be against Silk, right? Immediately out of the gates for a liquidity provider, your risk profile just dropped dramatically. If, if the whole point of being a liquidity provider is to be in a delta neutral position where your dream scenario is the prices of the tokens not deviating, but having an infinite amount of trades happening across your liquidity, occurring fruit feasts to yourself. If that is the optimal end state, then making sure that we have as minimal amount of volatility on the pairs is more likely to attract more, more capital. And so by having Silk be the centerpiece of the entire DEX, um, the, the beautiful part is that in essence, Shea Protocol is going to be able to emit less value and attract a proportional like a similar proportional amount of capital as the more inefficient DEXs are that that's that's that is the competitive advantage less emissions for the same type of capital um attractiveness because the risk profiles for liquidity providers are significantly lower and and then there's there's like a there's a second second advantage to this because shape protocol has uh, direct value accrual from silk in the form of the interest fees in the form of liquidations, um, the more that silk, you know, is bought up just, just like people on osmosis, they buy Osmo, um, in order to have a liquidity providing opportunity by, by the same token, when people, people buy silk, um, they're technically buying something that's representative of interest being accrued in the background or potential, potential liquidation. So, There's still, you know, fundamental value accrual to the protocol by having people have to buy silk in order to be a liquidity provider. We're just lowering the risk profile of the liquidity providers. We're still earning yield to the protocol in the form of revenue, as opposed to market capitalization, increasing from people buying the token. Um, And the net result is greater capital efficiency, which is ultimately how we get closer to having truly sustainable models. Now, when we talk about um, capital efficiency, how can we take this a step further? We, we've kind of solved a, a big piece of the puzzle, which is saying, have everything pegged to a stable asset on your decks. That's just way more capital efficient for everyone involved. The second step is making sure uh, that we have more capital efficient exchange models. Um, and what, what do I mean by more capital efficient exchange models? In essence, um, we want people to be able to tr- have large trades, without modifying um, like the, the price, right? So whenever, whenever, whenever you're shifting, shifting price, um, like on, on, a, on a DEX curve, you're introducing volatility that's absorbed by the liquidity provider, right? So just that fundamental theory of greater volatility means there has to be greater emissions to offset that increase in volatility. So if you can have better DEX curves, like concentrated liquidity, we're allowing larger trades Without shifting price, and when you don't shift price, that means less volatility, and that's that's kind of the next step for Shade Swap is introducing concentrated liquidity. Your kind of V three S Uniswap. It ultimately is is utilizing the liquidity providers' capital um, in a way that actually reduces volatility for them and increases trading fees that accrue back to them in an organic way based off of trade volume. Um, so. Yeah, I'll I'll pause there. I, I guess the the summary is peg everything to a stable asset, and 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 really focus on capital efficient curves. Um, those those are two, two just really big key pieces of the puzzle.
2: That was that was quite a lot of an info dump, um, Carter. Let's go back. Let's go back and summarize the main the main points and pain points that that shade swap is going to accomplish so just starting with volatility how is shade swap going to accomplish solving for volatility
1: instead of forcing liquidity providers to hold a volatile dex token liquidity providers will um will hold silk instead which makes their their risk profile significantly significantly lower and based off of where we're headed without giving too many details and I, I firmly believe that Shadeswap will be in a, in a great place with respect to stablecoin liquidity over the long haul because of this specific decision right out of the gate.
2: Absolutely. And so because we're solving for volatility, it allows us to be a little bit more efficient with capital. So how is Shadeswap solving the efficiency problem?
1: I mean, when, I guess when we say e- efficiency, it's, it's tied to reducing volatility for liquidity providers. And when you reduce volatility for liquidity providers, then you then the dex has to emit is allowed to emit less value in order to attract that liquidity that people can trade across. Awesome.
2: And I guess this is a this is a question a follow up question. Do you want to talk about a little bit more about how a dex emits 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 liquidity and and assets and, and in terms of the the way that it's seemingly losing equity as you move forward into the life cycle of a dex
1: yeah i mean it's it's a it's essentially the uh dilution, it's a it's a dilution of collective market capitalization um by sets of participants that come in provide the service acquire the equity of the protocol and slowly sell the equity of the protocol, but are still able to walk away with their capital. And so this is kind of like the third and and final problem that, and there's still like a debate about this. Should the protocol be its own market maker? This has been like a pretty controversial one on the Shave Protocol forums. I personally believe that if you're able to reduce volatility, um, be, what is it, if, if we can reduce volatility, and have more capital efficient curves, and have the protocol own, own the liquidity itself, um, that you would be in a phenomenal end state uh, for sustainability. But that, that third point about the protocol owning the liquidity, I think as time has gone on, I think the answer is the protocol doesn't need to own all of the liquidity, but if it's able to create kind of a baseline floor of liquidity to kick things off um, within those capital efficient curve curves, um, then you're able to create a really solid um, trading experience that even if liquidity providers walk away, there's still, there's still plenty, plenty there to be traded against. So that, that was, that was kind of a, that was kind of a side tangent.
2: No, it's all good. Um, yeah. That makes sense a lot. So do we want to discuss not, not in extreme detail, but just touch on the curve model that we are going to be using
1: yeah, there's, there's, two, there's two things. Um, there's one pair I'm going to talk about that gets me more excited than any other Dex pair I've ever seen. All right, I'll, I'll talk about that one in like a minute. But we'll, we'll start with the, the recent research. So um, I guess what we can reveal is that there's a brand new novel curve that was created that Shadeswap will be using. Um, that's getting, that is officially the manuscript got accepted into a peer reviewed scientific journal tied to digital finance. So super, super exciting stuff. There's been um, amazing research done by one or two folks in the Shape Protocol community. And we'll definitely do a Twitter space for them to describe how this curve is unique, the properties that it has. But i think uh when this this white paper peer reviewed gets released to the cosmos uh it's gonna be something that people even in the ethereum community would look over at and be like ooh this is this is this is something new and in essence uh it has more flexibility than than curves uh model which was which is pretty pretty amazing
2: absolutely insane but i'll let you I'll let you talk now about the about the dex pair that you were that you wanted yeah. to do.
1: so you know the the really cool part about Shape Protocol owning all the different primitives is that suddenly you have these pairs open up where Shape Protocol essentially owns the full stack of the pair. And then what do I mean by that? So imagine a silk staked secret pair. Think think about how how crazy this paradigm is. So both sides of the token are accruing value back to the protocol. So stake secret is passively earning staking rewards um, back to the DAO. And silk, the other side of the pair is earning uh, value in the form of interest fees and liquidation fees. Now, this is where things get crazy because then as a liquidity provider, you are putting up you know, silk on one half, which is the stable asset. And then you're putting up the staking derivative on the other half, which is passively earning you yield as a liquidity provider, which offsets your volatility profile. So from a liquidity provider standpoint, stable asset on one side, yield-bearing asset on the other. Very, very attractive. For the protocol, it's earning yield from both tokens. And then this is where the, the DGEN stuff starts to, to come in. Um, with Shade Lend, you'd be able to lock up Stake Secret, mint out Silk, go in, buy Stake Secret with Silk, and then lock up that Stake Secret again and essentially loop through, put yourself in a leveraged position on a derivative that's already a lever against secret as it stands so and, and and then you're the amount of trading fees that can be generated across this and then if you use concentrated liquidity for both of these assets then you have an extremely uh capital efficient uh loop that people can use and so these are the kinds of things that can be unlocked when you have a full stack primitive because other dexes don't have their own stablecoin. they don't have their own derivatives and they also don't have a capital efficient curve. And so we're starting to essentially compound the, the design space and the advantages of the protocol because we're approaching this from a full, from a full suite perspective. If it was USDC slash staked secret, that's, that's not accruing nearly as much value as silk to staked secret. Um, and so, yeah, these are the types of pairs that over time, I think Cosmos people are going to look over and be like, wait a second. So, Someone locks up stake secret and lend. There's now interest being accrued on that stake secret position. They mint out silk, right? And <laughs> and that that's accruing, you know, that's deepening liquidity, it's deepening liquidity. Or and like when they go, when they go and sell the silk for the stake secret, they also just created a trading fee, right? So I can count on my hand. Let's see here. So I'll count it out interest fee, liquidation fee, trading fee, and then derivative earning passive revenue from staking. So we're talking about four revenue streams on that entire, entire life cycle of that pair. Um, just crazy, crazy stuff. And I, I think, you know, real yield is a term that's been starting to emerge. And I think Shade Protocol was way ahead of the real yield narrative long before, before it emerged. At least that was, that was always the plan.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I think the idea behind Shade Protocol has been what real yield has come to be um way before real yield was quote unquote a popular term to use um but specifically carter um what were you what were you potentially hinting at in terms of st- stating that shade swap would have um the liquidity in the cosmos for for stable coins
1: oh i that's that's quite a that's quite a pointed quite a pointed question um I I firmly believe that Shadeswap will be um, the shall I say it? Am I allowed to say it? Uh, I don't know. I don't
2: I don't know if there's a word that I could think of. I got a word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, let's just say this: stablecoin liquidity. When when UST broke, stablecoin liquidity broke in the Cosmos completely.
2: Oh, Carter, I I, I lost you. Well, I don't know if anybody else can't hear Carter um, but I can't hear Carter, so hopefully he jumps back here in a second or two um and maybe you know what? Maybe it's for the best, maybe it just wasn't supposed to be heard, maybe it wasn't supposed to be said, so um Carter, if you can hear me you you did drop off um I'm going to send him a message very quick, all right, well, since Carter since carter fell off and i see he just left to try and reset his phone um let's bring up one question on the intermediary um in in the time that it takes carter to to exit and then rejoin so if anybody has a burning question on their mind let's do one question i'll bring someone up um and then we can wait for carter to jump back on here nobody has any questions we can we can even save them until carter gets back on so we can ask at a at a later date but let's see logan you requested awesome i will bring you on add it as a speaker you should be on stage welcome
3: hey what's going on guys how are you good how are doing you doing well so i just uh officially bought a bag of shade yesterday <laughs> um for those of you who don't know me my name's logan i I've been on and off involved in the crypto markets for like, I don't know. First, I, I accidentally got involved in mining Bitcoin in like 2015, 20, it was probably like 2014, 2015 um, with a buddy of mine in, in, in high school again. And it was like, just completely by accident. And that was my first intro. And then really got more so active in trading 2017. And then got kind of crushed in the bear market there. And then um, absolutely smashed it with Luna. And that's when I first started hearing about Secret. And um, I didn't really pay too much attention to it till the last like month and a half, two months. Just took a break from crypto for a little bit, just off the charts. And then my buddy, who was the one who originally showed me on Luna, uh, was like, hey, you know, this this thing has some legs. And so, you know, he gave me the proper info. Um, Yesterday, I just secured my first bag of shade. So I'm excited about that. I'll definitely be coming out with a ton of education on you know secret and shade protocol and everything and kind of like the biggest you know question that i have today um and and the reason why i tell you guys that is just i want to be an asset to the community you know i helped a lot of people uh you know get introduced to the luna ecosystem and you know did really well there obviously we had the the crash i lost like half a million but still you know made some significant gains but anyway um you know i, I want to be an asset to the community i want to come out with education and content et cetera. Uh, but the question is more so regarding uh the liquidity so right now like you know a few of us went in with positions yesterday and i think we moved the price uh you know a few bucks or so um but you know with with liquidity do we have a, a kind of an eta on when there's going to be access to more liquidity with you know, my, my buddy Omar was telling me something about bonding and, and whatnot, but I'm I'm a little bit ignorant when it comes to uh, all the things that are going on behind the scenes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, one, I just want to say welcome to the welcome to the community and welcome to the Shade family. Um, I saw that you were in the chats yesterday, and I saw that you said you had a you had a buy order in. Um, so that's awesome to hear, and it's really cool to hear what you want to do for the community as well um, in terms of educational content and, and things like that. Um, I actually have Carter in office with me. Unfortunately, his phone died as he was trying to talk. Um, so I'm going to kind of just pass the torch over here and let Carter talk as well. Um, but he is back, and to answer your question on liquidity, here is Carter.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the question. So it's it's been interesting. It, like an important fact to note is in terms of emissions for the year one earmarked LP awards. I believe point point two percent has been used 0.3 0.2 0.3%. So there has been there was a distinct choice not to start emitting value towards liquidity to improve acquisition uh like the acquireability of, of shade until the decks the decks went live. Obviously that's coming in the fall. So when that when that switch flips um liquidity will be much deeper and when staking goes live too, staking on shade protocol actually helps deepen liquidity on the shade silk uh, pair pair specifically. so in in the interim, uh, bonds will be bonds will be released, and essentially there'll be opportunities for people to how shall I say this acquire acquire shade at a discount by potentially depositing LP tokens. And so there will be um, kind of a, a path to build out protocol own liquidity uh, tied to shade. Similar to Olympus Dow, but with a, with a much more sharp scope, uh, less of a like D hyperinflation. Like there's 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 specific targets, um, and the long term answer is constant product rule curves are terrible, right? So think about how much liquidity is actually needed to acquire in order to make that trading experience like relatively efficient for large trades. So that's why like uh, like from our end, we're hyper focused on getting concentrated liquidity out of the gates and getting this new curve to market uh, because what's the point in emitting an insane amount of value to create a better training experience over the short term if we can instead be patient, get the capital efficient curve out there and then kind of tee off um, the LP campaign in order to really make acquisition a lot easier. What's the trade-off? The trade-off is people such as yourself that want to come in and acquire a large position are dealing with like absurd absurd slippage um and people look at the liquidity and it's quite frankly it's laughable it's non-existent but just be aware that that's that's by choice it's an it's a very it's it's a strategy in order to optimize for long-term sustainability and we we don't emit without a razor sharp reason for emissions and like that that time is rapidly approaching um and bonds will be an interesting way to acquire shade at a discounted spot price with no slippage um, so that's that's gonna be a super super sharp. What, what is that for- what
3: is that discount gonna look like? Like uh, you know, two percent, three percent, one percent? Like what what does that discount look like? What off the top of your head? I don't know if you know yeah, exactly. I'd
1: have to I'd have to reopen up the spreadsheet because obviously you're looking at like the risk free interest rate, and there's a couple of projections on like what the discount needs to be, and it also depends on the vesting length. Um based off of memory, it's somewhere between one to seven percent discount over the course of those days um, and if we're targeting bonds somewhere between three to 14 days. So the longer the vesting length, the deeper the discount. Um, and I can try to get that spreadsheet publicly out there sometime in the next week week or two on that. Um, but it's, yeah, still still computing exactly what those discounts should be. Obviously the market will be the strongest, strongest signal of them all for, for what discount it wants in order to fill an opportunity. Um, we don't want to give too great of a discount. You also don't want to give it too low of a discount. So it's it's a it's a, a bit of a del- delicate math on, on that. And, and so
3: shade math. so shade swap will essentially work in parallel with like Sienna, is what I used yesterday. So it'll be like your your guys' own decks. Like no, you're not yep. using any third parties at that point. You will
1: go to shapeprotocol.io slash swap. And you will be able to trade all of your assets. You'll be able to liquidity provide. And on that same web page experience, it'll also be slash bonds like shapeprotocol.io/lend, shapeprotocol.io/lend. Wait, I just said that twice. Um, and, <laughs> and, and will there silk and stake and governance? So yeah.
3: Like so, at some point, like, will there ever be an example of like other Cosmos assets that will be also hooked up to that Dex, or is it like secret only? tokens like oh, with terra with no,
1: definitely definitely here for all of like I, okay so there's there's two sides of the token. so one i'll say i think some dexes have made the choice to emit value at pairs that don't have a lot of demand right so i think like that that component of the equation has to be like very carefully managed but when it comes to like adam and juno and osmo the big the big L1s that have proven volume on large Cosmos Dexes like Osmosis will definitely be participants in targeting and encouraging trading to happen on ShadeSwap for that. So long and short, absolutely just want to be careful to put frankly with emitting at shit coins.
3: Yeah, so basically like any popular coins with volume could be like that are legitimate, not rugs would be yep. uh, more than good ca- candidates to be a part of Shadeswap. So then like basically what your angle I'm assuming is to do is to make Silk the dominant decentralized or more so like private. It's it's a private stablecoin, right? Or like is that kind of... Yep. So essentially it becomes the new version of UST that's doesn't have the same risk of DPEG. Kind of like essentially replacing the... Uh, the mission of UST like you guys learned from the mistakes of UST and now you've built somewhat of a, I don't know if better would be necessarily that the right word, but just a different, but the same, same type of mission.
1: I mean, a year, a year ago, Logan, I was the, the biggest lunatic. Um, I went to all the Terra events. I, I was part of the community. So, uh, a de- you know, the decentralized world needs truly decentralized money but it also needs privacy. And that, that was always the little asterisk that I had in my head. And the, the other piece too was, how can we have truly decentralized money if we're pegged to centralized monetary systems? And so that was like, the dream of Silk was, don't just add on privacy, don't just add on better stability after what happened with Terra, but also have this be a truly futuristic money that's pegged to a basket of global currencies and commodities that is going to be able to slowly evolve over time in relation to large macroeconomic changes now and now
3: when you say global global currency, so like can you give me an example of what maybe like what global currencies are in that basket?
1: Yeah, absolutely I can I can ping you the uh, on the docs there's there's 20 there's 20 different pieces that make up the the silk peg we're talking about like JPY, Canadian dollar, US dollar, gold, Bitcoin. so therefore if like one
3: of if one of those currencies collapsed it's like all right well you know it's it's like now you have an aggregate that's creating this balance like the yep the the coin isn't or the the silk peg isn't necessarily going to be affected all that much or i i get what you guys are doing you're trying to make it as stable as possible by having a diversified basket of assets that are as stable as possible um so you have global currencies from countries and then you also have commodities so like is gold an example of one of the commodities yep gold and bitcoin
1: on all of the backtesting actually significantly helped with it being a hedge against inflation that is inherent to every sovereign currency um and over time as the protocol you know grows its treasury i think we'll run research competitions i mean i dream about one day just like imagine a 10 million dollar research fund com- like competition annually on who can build the most optimized silk peg and we just we just continue to build out the granularity of of the the index over time Yeah, because over time
3: like countries rise up and they fall and currencies get hyperinflated and some you know emerge and whatnot it's like an ever-changing market like nothing is ever stable in the world it's stable to an extent dependent on your time frame
1: (laughs) absolutely and that's why like there's always this cognitive dissonance of like All of DeFi, you know, it's like, oh great, like I'm earning 10% yield um in the form of the dollar in DeFi. What amazing yield. And it's like, yeah, but also you just had 10% inflation. So like that that yield isn't yield in, in relation to the economy that you're participating in. And so I I think if if we build silk right, it'll end up being this interoperability hub between all the other global currencies um and people will essentially park park their value there and use it for for commerce. So bitcoin bitcoin solved for the the scarcity problem and and I view silk as like something that's truly solving for the
3: the, the stability. stability now, and, and also problem. the last question I have is is cuz I don't want to hog the stage but these are just ones that I've, I've have pent up over the last few days. Um the the question of the buy and burn mechanism obviously that's that was a huge attraction factor to luna is just being hyper deflationary until it wasn't um so from what i was told you guys have you know an over collateralized version on that silk uh stable but it's also like there's some kind of buy burn mechanism is that accurate or no
1: yes yeah, so essentially silk is is we were after the tear collapse it was like okay seniorage burnment method like that that needs to be um put to the side. And if we're like very much re rechallenge it, and so the the goal of Silk is to modularly introduce more growth mechanisms. So like our our greatest inspiration right now is Frax. I think those guys are completely cutting edge. And so what we're going to be launching with out of the gates is essentially the over collateralized model plus redemption pools that have like 100 percent backing. And eventually, you start to head towards the Frax model where you end up being partially collateralized somewhere around like a 95 to 90% ratio. Um, Terra's collateralization was probably closer to the 15, 20% range. And if you consider that how how tipsy that was in relation to market maker participants and the depth of liquidity, it might, maybe it was even worse than that. So I think the dream. For yeah, so, so essentially what, what you're saying is
3: like, it basically like it, if, Terra was more collateralized, like upwards of 80 to 90%, you know, if they had more Bitcoin or whatever else, then this collapse wouldn't have happened because they were collateralized to that extent. But like people saw that we, Hey, this thing could collapse to uh, you know, a, a 10 cent UST value or whatever it is. So there's enough economic incentive to try to crash this thing to make tons of money off of short. So with that being said, um, you know, you guys are, you eventually kind of want to do fulfill the prophecy of UST being more of like, not necessarily algorithmic, but just fully decentralized and maybe minimize the amount of collateralization once you hit a tipping point. Is that kind of how it works?
1: Yeah. So the way I think about it is like, people should be able to mint out silk without putting themselves in a leverage position. If you can fulfill that promise, then that is, that's algorithmic enough to fulfill. The primary use case, which is people acquiring the stablecoin, right? Like that's that's the that was kind of the magic of Terra. Is like you can burn Luna for UST. Sure, there's some there's some slippage on it, but you don't have to put yourself in an over collateralized lending position to acquire it. Um So, absolutely, we want to head towards a more dynamic growth direction. But at the end of the day, this is it's a game of assets versus liabilities. Every stablecoin that's minted is a liability, and there has to be. Some form of asset backing in order to make sure the entire system works why is the protocol willing to issue a liability? well it provides a valuable service and is able to earn you know value from those, those liabilities at large in the form of dex trading fees in the form of the interest fees the liquidation fees, the redemption pool fees um, like it's, it's a tangible service but um, Terra went wrong because the asset to liability gap was so great and that bluff not bluff but that that fundamental financial gap was spotted and exploited
3: and so we're well really i also the- think that i also think part of it was due to just people wanting to dunk on Doquan. <laughs> you know it's like yeah he, your, i think he pissed some people size. off and he, yeah he's like you know he he just he got he thought he was too big to fail at one point in time and I, I love the guy i think he's i think he's what crypto needs in the far in the form of innovation but he he got overconfident and i think he stepped on some toes some some billion dollar toes and uh people realize you know what fuck this guy <laughs> right we can take him down let's wait for a weakness like you said in that interview there could have been a mole inside tfl that uh caused uh you know the ideal time to be revealed on when to attack but you know that's that's something again not only can you guys learn from the dpeg but learn from the uh learn from the uh behavior right like don't don't pull a doku on and piss off the wrong people
1: yeah, no, and I, I think, like, overall, there's a really healthy culture within the shape protocol community of challenging, challenging assumptions. No, no one's view is like, inerrant law. Um, like, it's, I think we've, it's like, there's a very healthy amount of critical feedback and challenging of every decision along the way, which is why I would, I would highly encourage checking out the shape protocol forums, and get involved in the discourse there. Because uh, it's 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 like, Truly amazing to see the level of of discourse that the community is bringing to the table. I personally hope that our community aspires to be a lot like dow and like the level of detail and thoroughness they have in their governance. I think that's something to be aspired aspired towards. Um, Cosmos always has interesting politics too, so you can you can always learn from from other ecosystems on where we can we can head towards. But the final summary in response to your question is the dream of an algorithmic stablecoin is not, um, it's not dead, but it has to be way, way, way more asset-backed. Um, I, th- I think Frax is, is, on, is on the right track and um, we're, we'll, we'll be slowly but surely heading in a more dynamic
3: direction, but it, it kind of not on the cost like of security. You almost need to do it really like the United States did with like, you create sound money that's like backed by something, and then they took the dollar off the gold standard, and it's like people already had enough faith in these dollars already, these notes, that they could just change the, you know, change some fundamental things. And it's like people will just automatically there was enough trust there to make it work. But obviously, like we're seeing repercussions with just the Fed printing so much money. But like it seems like the the vision of having an algorithmic stablecoin there needs to be a different approach, which you guys are taking to like crawl, walk, run to get to a point where it's big enough and there's enough trust to make it less collateralized, but still collateralized enough for people to realize there isn't that same opportunity to, uh, depeg it like Luna or UST.
1: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I, I, I think the other, other angle too, is, you know, the, the Luna burn mechanism, quote unquote, accrued value rather rapidly to token holders. but, I think that the projects that take kind of like a multi-decade stance on 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 their vision that like all you have to do is sustainably accrue value and that will create a long-term flywheel. We're just the the risk profiles in this domain are are so short-term focused that that no one talks about like how powerful sustainable growth is if if we zoom out. And I, I think with with Silk, if we if we're just hyper biased towards slow, safe, and sustainable growth, because of the unique product suite and because of the eventual pivot towards the focus on commerce, I think I think it's just a matter of patience. Uh, patience in a space that has no patience, I think, is going to be the great
3: differentiator. Well, I'm all done. Thank you for answering my questions, and uh, look forward to you know if any of you guys want to talk to me on Twitter or like add me as a friend or whatever. I, I want to get more shade um, like tweets in my feed. So let's definitely be friends and I'm going to get to work on making some content and try to go grow the community through exposure that way.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Logan. And if you have, um, if you have any questions, I, I think you actually might've DM me. I got to, if you, if you, yeah, I'm pretty sure up. I
3: did and I'm also in the discord now, so you'll see
1: me. Yeah. Later. I, you know what we should do? We should create, um, Maybe like a like a Discord channel for like uh like AMAs for just like asynchronous questions that like are pretty deep questions that people people have. Maybe um we can get a Discord channel spun up and just because like as you make content, we're we're happy to provide as much context and sanity checking on things as possible. Um one thing I've been hyper focused on and adults (laughs) and people on the team can attest to this, I've been pretty obsessed with getting our documentation back up to par. um, just because there's been such a massive shift in the last like six months with what happened with Terra, with, as we've approached product launches. So just in summary, feel free to sanity check and ask questions so we can make sure that we get accurate information out and up-to-date information. Cause we, we don't, there, there's so many moving pieces just want to make sure it's, it's solid stuff and happy to support on that. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Have a good one, Logan. I'm gonna hand this back to adults here. I just, yeah, kind of just took the phone there, but
2: No, I think, Logan, thank you for asking those questions. Um, I think it's good to just kind of revisit um, some newer questions that maybe newer newer community members would have. Um, Just for everyone's sake of like, hey, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Um, This is what's been updated. This is how things are moving forward. So it's never a bad idea to just have these conversations um, out in the open. And transparency is, is a very big focus of shade protocol. Um, and so it's, again, like I said, always good to have these conversations and just make sure that everyone listening, um, is up to date in terms of what's, what's going on, but we have about 10 minutes left. Um, and before, before we had that conversation, we were, we were discussing in terms of capital efficiency, uh, with shade swap and DEX pairings. So Carter, is there anything else that you want to add as like a final final word on those things?
1: Yeah, so before my phone, phone I don't know, the phone the, fun, the phone collapsed on me and I was walking into the office and I was like, oh, there's one last thing I wanted to say on this front. One of, one of the theories I have potentially is that DEXs by default are potentially like a long-term loss leader to a degree. Like, we're going to be able to make them as capitally efficient as possible. Um, but if, if the protocol doesn't own the liquidity, it's a game of paying out value to attract people to provide a service and then gathering value from people using the service that's greater than the value emitted, right? That's the only way for it to be sustainable, revenue greater than expenses. But I think that's where Share Protocol might be differentiated because if we own the full vertical tech stack of all of the different primitives and they're all working together and the dex is the centerpiece then the revenue from all these other primitives are actually able to make the model sustainable and so i think this single primitive model that we've you know that crypto kicked off in the last year or two it it works well when the product is hey I'm going to allow you to utilize your current assets better, like a lending product. Like You lock it up, you mint something against it, I'm providing a service against your own assets. But if you're a single primitive model where you somehow have to attract something like liquidity, I think that it, it, it maybe it's like an uphill battle that can't fully be solved standalone. But because we're taking the multi-primitive approach... As long as we can get the dex as capital efficient as possible, and we have all these other pieces of the puzzle um, contributing and building value and accruing, accruing value back to stakers and back to the DAO, then then I think I think true sustainability is possible. It's going to take years, but I think that I think that path is there, and I think we'll look back on crypto and the whole idea of you know you go to an L1 and there's like. 10 DEXs, then I got to go find the 10 lending products and the 10 different leverage products and options. And like everything's scattered all over the place. But if, if shape protocol can just have this beautiful, simple user experience, all the key primitives in one place, all of them interconnected in a way that's only possible because they have permissioned access to each other. Um, I think we're going to be able to, our, our moat is going to be the user experience, and the permission interactions between the apps that are going to create value that no one else can do, unless you have the design space that we do. And on top of it all, we have privacy, um, and that that of course cannot cannot be understated. So that's my my final final piece I want to add.
2: Awesome, appreciate that, Carter. Um, well, I think this has been a lot more of a technical space than normal um, in regards to language used in regards to concepts um, being discussed. So I think we're going to cut it um, five minutes short here, um, the normal. Uh, but if you guys haven't already, please go to the Shade Protocol forums um, and make sure that you guys are contributing to the conversations that are being had here. Everything we discuss on these Twitter spaces is being discussed in the Shade Protocol forums um, at a high level with a lot of really, really high contributing community members that are usually always on these spaces as well. Um, But it's an awesome place to get plugged in to the community and, and get your voice heard in terms of ideas. But uh, other than that, make sure to follow us on Twitter, discord, um, join our telegram chats as well. Updates are always being sent there and just overall community conversation happens as well. But I just want to thank everyone for joining Um, people that have joined these in the past. Newer community members like Logan coming up here and asking questions um, because he wants to know and get involved. That's exactly what we're about here, um, and so it just it makes me happy that people feel safe enough in this space to come and ask questions, whether or not they actually know them. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for joining. Um, I have this recorded and I will be posting it after we jump off here. But uh, yeah, everyone enjoy your morning, afternoons, or evenings wherever
0: you are at. All right, bye everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Shade Protocol Weekly, Silk Magic, Shade Swap, Capital Efficiency for the Cosmos. Recorded on Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When I'm ripping and rapping, I ain't picking the bastards to be tricking the masses into getting their asses kicked Feels like I've been getting my masters Fuck a pump and double like the income that's passive Raise up the bar before I fly right past it I'll be writing rhymes till they put me in a casket Oh man, shit, put the lotion on its skin Then put that shit back in the damn basket Like Buffalo Bill, the way I'm ruffling feathers Snuffing out debt, cut the heads off collectors Keep a couple heads in a jar as keepsakes And take the rest and turn them into freebies Upgrade the feeling, supply the free base. Looking all professional, tools in the briefcase. Running on empty from gassing up my teammates. First one down, let me know how that sleep tastes. the lotion in
3: the
0: (gasps) the Direct and impossible Defending the plausible From end to demonstrable The mission isn't even Worried about the clearance Running interference Till our enemies fear us We're only one disappearance Away from a bad day Everybody trying to save face On the last day Feeling fancy About to pull out the masse Drop the eight ball in passing That's so passe I'm getting nasty You cannot put it past me A mix between blasphemy And talk everlasting Feeling like a masterpiece Looking like a tragedy Trying to get through Another day full of savagery Getting headstrong from work i i am interested in magic because
1: i am fascinated with psychology i love to learn about how people make influences How they draw conclusions, find patterns and information, and in particular, I'm interested in all that can go wrong. Uh, How an individual can be led astray from certain cognitive vulnerabilities or exploited. Terror
0: spaces.